having a good, strong relationship with, with an agent or a broker um, and being in contact with them throughout that entire LOI and that, that pursuit process um, is really going to set you up for success. Let's get ready to scale. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, I have with me Aaron Letzizer. He is the co-founder and COO of OB, a venture-backed insurance and risk management technology platform. Don't yawn. There's a lot of interesting things that go into this, I promise. In addition to OB, Aaron is an active real estate investor and a venture partner at the San Francisco-based venture capital group Pioneer Fund, as well as the managing partner at Mac Rental Properties. He graduated from Michigan State University in political theory and constitutional democracy. He's also a graduate of the prestigious and coveted Y Combinator Startup Accelerator, as well as having received the award of being uh, part of Forbes 30 Under 30 list. He was previously the founder and director of the Medical Amnesty Initiative, and he's coming to us uh, from Chicago. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeanette. How are you? Doing fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Aaron, one of the things that totally caught my attention before we even get into real estate is I'm a huge fan of philanthropy. And so I really wanted to know what is the Medical Amnesty Initiative and how did you get involved with it? Yeah, so the Medical Amnesty Initiative, it was something that I uh, had started working on uh, initially in college. It was a, it was a way of, of working with state legislatures to try and build like really good comprehensive um, laws and, and uh, legislation around young people who were, uh, you know, experimenting with alcohol potentially while they were underage, but it creates a lot of fear with them in the event that something goes wrong. And so providing some opportunities for them to actually be able to call help um, and, and know they're not ultimately going to get in trouble and then combining a lot of that with some of the education that they can get. So it was really something that, that I saw when I was in college, I had an interest in, in, uh, in law, as you said, my, my degree originally was in political theory, though I don't get to use that as much in the, uh, the real estate, the insurance world anymore. Um, but it was of an interest of mine. I, I, I had thought about going to law school, uh, after, after college. And then my brother, who's also my co-founder at OB. Um, he's the one that, that, that ultimately got me into the real estate world and, uh, and kept me out of law school. And here we are. <laughs> well, interesting. Do you thank him for that? Uh, some days I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> some days I, I, I might want to wring his neck, but, uh, we haven't killed each other yet. So our, our parents are pretty happy about that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's a, a very worthy uh, cause and I think it's very pragmatic and important. Um, you know, young people make mistakes and they want to be able to be able to safely uh, navigate themselves out of it. So I think it's really cool you're involved with that. So some kudos. Thank you. Yeah. So now I know that you mentioned your brother's the one that got you into real estate. So can you just expand upon that a little bit? How did you actually get started? What assets were you looking at? What level were you playing at? Yeah. So, um, I, I, originally, my, my my brothers were one that really got into the uh, the real estate world. His background was 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 real estate, private equity. Started with an architecture degree, and in doing some development deals, really started to get to the uh, the, the the real estate bug. Um, he had originally been in the the office and retail sector, a lot of grocery anchored shopping centers, and then around the the downturn of the economy, around the uh, 2010s, 2011s, he got out of the uh, the retail space and, and kind of made a, a bet that people don't always need a place to, uh, to, to shop, but they always need a place to live and started moving into the multifamily sector and built 
uh, about a portfolio of any given point in time, probably about two to 3,000 units under management. It was something that, that him and I had always talked about. We had a small rental portfolio of our own uh, between the two of us that we had been actively managing. And so, you know, as, as that grew, it's something that I was able to start getting a little bit more involved in. And for a long period of time, I, I had had my insurance license, something that I got back in college to, to, uh, to, to hustle my friends for their, their renters and their, their auto insurance. Um, but it was a, it was an issue that constantly was, was coming up between the two of us. So, you know, that, that's really what, what kicked off the real estate, uh, journey for me, um, and really was, was focused on those, those residential real estate investment class assets. So your small SFRs all the way up to your larger, uh, apartment communities. All right. Very cool. Now I can see how the two, um, you know, between your brother's experience and your own obviously can complement each other and, and, you know, some people may think that the uh, the topic of insurance can be boring, but the absolute reality is that insurance is really critical. And, you know, you may think it's boring until you need it, and then you're very grateful for it, uh, for sure. And, you know, the reality, too, is is that there's a never-ending demand for it as well. So I'm just curious, you know, um, basically, at what moment did you guys decide, like, okay, we're going to, you know, go ahead and start up Obi? And, you know, what were some of the initial lessons as you're putting together a startup that, you know, you, you took into account as you're building out your strategy uh, for trying to really make this successful? Because there's a lot of competition out there. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story. I can, I can remember, actually, when we first, we first started talking about it, we were at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in, in New York City, and Ryan was going through a, uh, a potential claim uh, issue, actually, with travelers, where the broker that, that, uh, that had put the policy on the apartment complex, just Ryan felt like he didn't really have a good, clear understanding of the coverage that he, that he signed up for. Um, and that was a, a similar story that we started hearing from a lot of his different LPs, a lot of the different syndication groups. A lot of the stuff that Ryan did was on a deal day, deal by deal basis. It wasn't, wasn't a funder in their organization. Um, and so each one of these deals really was getting their own individual insurance policies. They weren't being thrown on a large, uh, you know, master that was being shared uh, amongst the fund. And as a result, he just felt like insurance for him had always been a black hole. And it was one of his largest line item expenses and something that, that you know, I, I could very much relate to as somebody that was placing insurance. And it was the, the line item that he also felt like he had the least amount of control and understanding it too. And so that, that was really the impetus that we started with was we knew it was an issue. We knew that, you know, in both a good economy and a bad economy, uh, it was the thing that, that the bank, right, and the, the lender always required us to have. And so what could we do with that? We knew it was a very large market. There's 18 million individual and small business landlords uh, throughout the United States, whether they're uh, a, a kind of a direct owner operator, whether they're an LP, a GP, um, directly into some of these deals. Every single one of these assets requires insurance. And so how could we make that experience a little bit easier, a little bit more transparent? At the end of the day, what Ryan and I always felt like was we didn't necessarily worry about what the price was. We wanted to make sure that it was competitive. We wanted to make sure that it penciled out on pro forma, but we wanted to feel like we were a little bit more in control of that. If we wanted to change that deductible, if we wanted to add or release coverages, if we wanted to uh, make adjustments to things, the traditional insurance market means that if I'm looking at a deal or, or I'm in an LOI stage or I'm going hard on cash, I'm trying to then go to my typical traditional insurance broker and getting some level of an indication. And for a lot of folks, it's just really impossible to do. You're hoping that the Disneyland version that the, you know, the seller's broker threw on, on the offering memorandum is, is correct and is going to pencil out on a per door basis. But we wanted to figure out, like, was there a better way of being able to do that? And so we stood there in the cold. It was probably like minus you know, 10 degrees in New York City in, in the end of November. 
and said it was something that, that we really wanted to look at, at pursuing. Um, and that's really at the end of the day, what OV became, but we're, we're now several years into, you know, being a, a an insurance technology company that's, that's really only hyper-focused on the residential real estate investment asset class. Very cool. Very interesting. Um, all right. Well, you know, um, I definitely know that insurance can kill a deal, right? Uh, for sure. And I'd like to talk about some of these strategies, you know, that you guys have implemented to help your clients or what, you know, some of our investors can do uh, for their properties that they might have, or, you know, what we can also do as owner and operators. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and have a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sunbelt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So Aaron, let's get into it. You know, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, we like to work in the Sunbelt market. Uh, so, you mm -hmm. know, we have uh, members of our team that are looking at deals all the time in various markets. And there was one in Florida that looked really attractive and was great until you added in the insurance. And then the deal was dead in the water. So, you know, what kind of advice are you giving um, to people that are trying to make deals work, especially in some of these more challenging markets like, say, Florida or California? Yeah, I mean, Florida, Florida and California and, and frankly, any anything that's coastal right now is 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 a challenging market. Um, you know, candidly, the, the, the property market in general right now is a is a is really a, a, a tough place to be be playing around with in the uh, in the insurance space. Um, I think that the, the biggest piece of advice that I can give to folks is, you know, find find an insurance agent and find a broker that really specializes in the multifamily space. Um, find somebody where when you're interviewing folks, I mean, insurance is a is a really big piece of not only making sure that the deal pencils out, but also the the, the protection that that you're getting from um, buying this policy and investing in this policy and investing in this property. Um, and you want to make sure that it's there when when you need it. And so, you know, finding a broker that that or an agent that really spends and specializes a majority of their time in this space is is the first piece of advice that I would give. It might not necessarily be the person you get your home and auto from. It might not necessarily be your brother's best friend's best man at their at their wedding. Um, and the reason being is insurance is very specialized, especially with something that like a you know multifamily risk or office or retail or industrial. There are carriers that have programs that just specialize in those types of asset classes, and they know and understand that risk typically better than a lot of your more general carriers that exist out there. And the only way to really get the appointments to be able to start writing and getting access to those programs are if you're producing enough volume for those folks that, that are going to give you access. And so you really want a broker or an agent that's specialized in that. And I think the second aspect of that is once you find that person, they're going to start to be able to give you really good indications as to what the pro forma price looks like versus what the actual market price looks like. Um, that's the big thing that that OB specializes in in the uh, in the multifamily space or on our private client team is providing really good close indications when you're you're about to go hard on cash. Um, the worst thing that you want to have happen is, as you mentioned, a, a deal dies right because when you finally actually get to the point of 
putting the, the 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 mortgage in place, getting the 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 capital that you need to be able to do the deal. Finally, looking at those insurance requirements, sending them over to the agent. The agent sends them out to the carrier market, and you get something back that's 10, 20, 30, 50 percent higher than what you thought it was actually going to be, because the number on the offering memorandum is something from the you know the past 12 months. And in the current market that we're in, these rates are changing every six months. We're moving into another hurricane season. Um, and with that is going to come probably an additional increase in, in rates or some level of flexibility and, and fluctuation there. So having a good, strong relationship with, with an agent or a broker um, and being in contact with them throughout that entire LOI and that, that pursuit process um, is really going to set you up for success. That is what somebody, even just from a, 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 a quick glance at that offering memorandum um, and at that property is going to be able to tell you really a couple of things. One, um, is it in a market that even really has a lot of capacity? Um, I know markets right now that started the year off with a decent amount of Florida or California or Louisiana uh, capacity. Um, and they're already, they're already through it, right? They, they mm-hmm. segment out the amount of premium they could write on a, on a state by state or zip code by zip code basis. And we're halfway through the year. We're not even really into hurricane season yet. You've got another seven months left to go. And a lot of these carriers are already out of it. And so that's the first thing that you want to know. And then the second thing is, does the price actually look accurate? And then the fourth thing is, can you get, as you're going through that process with the seller and with their broker, can you get a copy of the current policy? Mm-hmm. Because what you want to find out is, and speaking with kind of my real estate investor hat on, if I know that I'm going to market with a deal, am I kind of looking at potentially changing what my insurance structure looked like last year on the renewal? So that way it pencils out better on pro forma for whoever's buying it, right? And trying to look at ways of limiting my own uh, expenses on the P&L. What am I doing to start cutting some of those costs? And so you want to know that the price that's, that's being presented there is at the level of coverage that you're also interested in, because that's the other kind of thing that, 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 that can get thrown into a deal that sure the, you know, the seller to no fault of their own is going to say, yeah, this is exactly what I'm paying for insurance, but it might not be the right insurance. And having a good partner to be able to go through that process is the best way of being able to figure out um, exactly where that pricing is going to come out on the deal. Excellent insights and excellent advice. I'm definitely going to be sure to share that information with my team if we're not already doing that. Um, Now, along those same lines, but kind of drilling it down a little bit deeper for passive investors that, you know, for example, like our investors that invest with us as owner and operators, what type of questions should passive investors be asking their sponsors about the type of insurance that they have in place on the various investments? You know, talk to us like we're five years old, as they say, you know, what are some of the most important factors that investors need to know in order to ensure that their operator is actually correctly insuring the, the properties and the investments that they have? The, the two most basic items that you really want to drill into right now are uh, really replacement cost and the, the loss of business income, right? There's a lot of other ancillary cover, coverages that, that come into place. Um, I'll also add in their, their, you know, your general liability limits. Um, and the reason being is we're, we're also in a market, and I'm sure your, your investors are, are pretty familiar with this. As, as inflation has gone up, the price of lumber has continued to go up. The price of replacement cost continues to go up. And so a way of getting a cheaper premium overall is to have a lower replacement cost, right? On a, on a per square foot basis is, is what's being kind of determined as the, as the replacement cost for that property. And you want to make sure that, you know, the sponsor on the deal, the person that's actually working with the insurance agent uh, and working with the carrier to place this deal has sufficient coverage. Because in the event that something happens, you're only going to get up to the threshold that's, that's outlined in your, 
policy document. And so if you're continuing to use the exact same limit as a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and we've just never updated it. Um, that's something that, that really, I think, trips a lot of people up and something that, that you know, your investors, even passive investors, really should be asking about. The second thing is is on the business income side, right? So making sure again that the you know the rent roll is audited on an annual basis by the agent. You're making sure that they know exactly the amount of money that this asset is bringing in on an annual basis, because so often I see, given the complexities of this market, I do see insurance agents that will take kind of the original limits and just continue to apply them forward, right? They're they're looking at more what the premium looks like and how they can can shop this with other carriers but they're not necessarily updating some of those original limits that might've existed. It might've made sense when you bought the asset two, three or four years ago. And so again, when you combine that with the replacement cost issue, you want to make sure that in the event, the worst case happens, right? You have a total loss. There's a fire. It's, it's terribly tragic, but you want to make sure that you have enough coverage to, to make everybody, the investors, the bank, the lender, anybody that's involved in that process completely whole. And then the third piece, uh, because it is becoming more prevalent, um, on the insurance side is making sure that you have enough liability coverage, right? Making sure that in the event that there's a slip and fall uh, or some other type of issue, uh, medical costs are obviously going up, litigation costs are going up, a, you know, a, a very what looks like simple fall by a pool um, can, can very quickly turn into a big issue. And so making sure that you have sufficient coverage and making sure that you have an umbrella uh, with sufficient limits given the size of the asset. Um, those are the things that, that as a passive investor, even myself, I would want to know from the, you know, from the GPs and from the sponsor on the deal. Excellent advice. So I hope everybody was taking notes there and I'll be prepared to answer those questions because now that I'm advising everyone to uh, take notes, I'm going to need to answer those questions too. Great advice. Thank you so much. Um, now, you know, I know that one of the components of your business is also focusing on risk mitigation. So what would you say are some of the biggest risks that you're seeing in today's markets and how can investors mitigate that? You know, it's, it's interesting as we've started to, to work through the, the new normal of the kind of COVID and post-COVID world. Uh, one of the biggest things that insurance carriers are actually seeing these days is more folks actually working from home. And one of the biggest perils outside of weather related or wind related events that might actually happen um, inside somebody's home uh, is a fire. Right. Kitchen fire is a very, very common occurrence that happens. And if you think about it, most people were actually gone between nine and five. Um, you know, prior to, you know, uh, March of 2020. But now you have so many people that are actually inside of their home, they're cooking breakfast, they're cooking lunch, they're making a snack, right? They're having, uh, they're lighting a candle, right? Um, all of these are now opportunities for something to happen. Somebody walks away from their, their stovetop. Um, and so I would say that the biggest peril that really impacts a lot of people is uh, really those fire claims uh, that come into it. And in the current property market that we have, the biggest thing that, that owners and operators can really be, be focusing on, as well as your property management companies, is how can you start mitigating that risk, right? Do all of your tenants know that there's an easily accessible fire extinguisher? Um, do you want to invest in uh, this really novel uh, magnetic hockey pucks or what they look like um, that, that attach to the underside of, of people's um, uh, vents, right, over top of a, a stovetop? And if the temperature actually gets too hot, it drops a, a powder, uh, on top of the stove. Um, and it really mitigates a, a potential uh, fire claim. We've had two recent, I would say, fire claims that I know about uh, pretty recently. One was a stovetop fire in a, uh, in a quadplex. Um, no mitigation efforts. Somebody walked away from the stove, completely destroyed that unit and the unit next to it, right? And the next two obviously have smoke and water damage. 
Um, there's another one that we had uh, that actually had fire stops inside of the unit. It's something we actively pushed to a lot of our investors. And that unit really only had about $7,000 worth of damage. Some of the, you know, some of the cabinets next to it, obviously replacing the stove and some of the floor and some of the other aspects to it. But that's a really easy thing to then mitigate and clean up and actually repair. And it's not something that then you usually have to make an insurance claim for. And in this market, you really want to figure out ways of, of mitigating that risk as much as possible to make sure that you are not filing a lot of those, uh, those claims. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing, honestly, that we're seeing. It's something I don't think most insurance carriers anticipated that everybody, you know, a large portion of the population would now be working from home. And as a result, a lot of people are cooking from home. A lot of your tenants are, are, are cooking from home, spending a lot more time there. And so making sure that they know where the fire extinguisher is, potentially adding in these other mitigative steps, um, making sure that they know exactly what the procedure is inside of a unit to, uh, to be able to turn off the gas or turn off other, uh, other, other appliances uh, when something might happen. Um, those extra steps really can go a long way to making sure that your insurance prices are not going to jump uh, exponentially over the course of the next year when they're already starting to see some pretty large increases. Wow, some very helpful insights. Uh, thank you very much for that. That's a really, uh, it's very, it is very insightful. I never actually thought about some of these things or these factors, and you're great to point it out. Uh, you're right. The more time people spend in their homes, uh, the higher the risk actually goes. And so great insights. All right. Well, Aaron, uh, we have arrived at what we call the lightning round questions, which is just to be a little bit lighter and a little bit more fun. And so these are five questions that I ask all of the guests that come on our show. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So what do you actually do for fun? What is what is a hobby of yours? A uh, hobby of mine. I, uh, I, I try I try and find some time to read books that are not uh, related to my business. Um, if I can, if that, that, that's the best way to kind of shut my mind down from what I'm doing on a day to day basis. Yeah, I think that that's very healthy. And I think it's a good idea. All right. Um, now, what is something that most people don't know about you? Um, something most people don't know. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I've played the piano since I'm about five, probably five years old. Most people actually don't know that about me. Um, I do it for fun. I do it for stress relief. Um, and it's just become a, a really good, uh, a really good way of decompressing. All right. So Aaron, being an avid reader that you are, what is a book that you would definitely recommend investors need to incorporate in their library? Uh, a book that I, I, I've always really uh, loved and have kept on my nightstand for a really long time. It's called Never Split the Difference. Um, it's an old uh, FBI uh, uh, negotiator, uh, actually. And it's about trying to find like a really good win-win strategy that both people coming out of a deal feel, re feel really good about, right? That you inherently don't want to necessarily just split the difference. You want to find a way that like both people actually feel really good about the decision that they actually came to and not that they you know, both kind of loss uh, at the end of the day. So it's a, uh, it's a very good read. It's a quick read. Um, but I always found the strategies to be, uh, be really powerful. Absolutely. Always love a win-win. And that's always the goal. Very good. All right. Now, one of the things that we talk about too a lot at Blue Lake is, yes, you know, we love real estate. And yes, we're here uh, to make money. And, you know, but it's not all about money, right? It's really about trying to support our investors in building an extraordinary life, living extraordinary lives. Um, what is your advice for someone that is trying to live an extraordinary life? I would say, like, take take the time to actually stop and, and um, appreciate the things that, that are going on. Um, as, and, I, and I see this so much in the technology space. The, the more that technology advances, the more that there's an opportunity to do more, 
Um, I think it's, we've, we've stopped kind of as a society sometimes like really being able to stop and, and, you know, candidly smell the roses, right? Take a moment to actually step back um, from the life that you're living and, and appreciate a lot of the things that, that you're being able to do because we are investing, we are trying to make money, we are trying to like build this life. But um, that's, that's the thing that uh, I think gives you the, uh, the perspective and the gratitude on, on what this life is actually giving to you. Absolutely. Great advice. All right. Now, last but not least, Aaron, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about Orby, where can they go? Yeah, they can email me directly if they want to. It's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at obinsurance.com. O-B spelled O-B-I-E. Or you can always go to the uh, the website directly. It's obinsurance.com. All right. And just to uh, recap, this can be for both commercial and then private properties as well. Yeah, so it's uh, it's any type of residential real estate investment asset. So you could have a single SFR as a condo all the way up to, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 unit portfolio. Perfect. All right. Great. Well, Aaron, thank you very much. Very valuable information for sure. And for those of you that joined us today, thank you so much for your time. Please don't forget to like, rate, and review the show. Leave us some comments and let us know more of what you'd like to hear about. And in the meantime, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.